Hello, welcome to Three and In. Another episode with me today is Derek Byrne. Oh yeah. Ross Morrison again. Hello. And Owen Gurry. Good evening, gentlemen. Owen, no decarbon tonight, and you're the new boy. So we, you will be given the uh, challenge, the window challenge, as it's known. Something of an upgrade on your last guest. Very much. <laughs> I would agree. Are you Are you ready? I want you to get from oh. the Bronte sisters. <laughs> the sisters Bronte. Represent. To the Vatican City. Oh. Via Claude Makalele. <laughs> Take your time. We can always edit, edit it out. Okay. But do show you're working. Oof. How many powerhouses there? So the I'm just, just, just while Owen's thinking, the Bronte homeland is in County Down. It's a wonderful place to visit. Really? Mm -hmm. I, I've been, I was thinking the Bronte sisters, as in, in Yorkshire, which I visited in the summer. It was beautiful. It is a beautiful part of the world. No, I'll, I'm tell referring quick, to the... I'll tell you a quick little story about the Bronte sisters' parsonage. It was I was 18. I was going there for a weekend break with my girlfriend because she wanted to act out a scene from Wuthering Heights. Of course. Of course. She went to an all-girls school. And then we get there and... The local radio station that day were doing this competition whereby the, the listeners had to find someone and they had to tap them on the shoulder and say, I can't remember the, the exact words, but it was something like, are you the mystery guest on whatever, like West Yorkshire Radio or something? And I obviously fit the description, so I was trying to enjoy myself walking through the picturesque village of power, enjoy the literary history. <laughs> And various people kept coming up to me, tapping me on the back and saying, I found him, I found him, I found him. But not quite looking at me, just speaking into the phone. And to this day, I don't know who the actual mystery guest was, but it must have been a doppelganger of mine. But, <laughs> but it, yeah, it didn't take anything away from the day. It was just that, you know, I don't think there was a mystery guest walking around Haworth in the time of Wuthering Heights. But <laughs> we had a lovely weekend. It probably spoiled your girlfriend's Heathcliff fantasy, though. No, no, we, we got there, yeah. We, I mean, we just found a sort of random hill, and she was like, this is it. So she went to the bottom, I went to the top, and she was giving it the whole, I am Heathcliff. I am the rocks beneath my feet. And I was I was obviously inhabiting the character of Heathcliff, the dashing, handsome, dastardly male. What did the local ramblers think of your uh, your... Uh... Impromptu production. I reckon they've probably seen it all before. It's uh, public school girls' English literature fantasy, isn't it? Mm -hmm. But anyway, I've got to get to the Vatican. Yes. The parsonage. Just going to start you again. Lord so. Don't forget Claude. Don't the forget Bronte, the sisters Bronte to the Vatican City via Claude Macaulay. So Claude Macaulay is your first stop. The Bronte sisters trio, the treble. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on my way. I'm on my way. I can feel it. Treble. Uh, treble winners. Manchester United. Rivalry. Ferguson. Mourinho. Mourinho type player. I think you're there. I think Claude Makélélé. Now we need to go from Claude. Jean to uh, Claude Makélélé. Jean Claude Van Damme. Jean Claude Goddamn the Pope. Back in Vatican City. <laughs> he's there. He's there. Oh, excellent trouble. work. Excellent work, Owen. Deke, Thank you're in. You. You're in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, 
this this podcast is all about your favorite ballers footballers um of your life it's you know we we describe it as desert island discs but for footballers who would you want with you on the on the desert island owen today the the light touches you and it's a warm glow three of three players for you who's your first pick well first of all i'm delighted to be asked onto the podcast because since your first episode i've discussed this with numerous people hopefully some of those people you'll have as guests and for every one player that you pick there's 10 that you want to put in there so maybe there could be some notable mentions but i think i'm gonna to have to start with probably the most important for me when i was growing up was ryan Giggs. <laughs> sex addict divides opinion sex addict divides opinion especially domestic abuser sex these latter days <laughs> but i want to i want to shift the focus back onto the, the green of the football pitch and ryan giggs's glittering career as a manchester united legend that word is overused but i do think that he deserves that mantle i think it was when i was really young i've got three older brothers my two eldest brothers not really into football anymore but when i was younger my brother ralph had manchester united posters up in his room and in particular a picture of ryan giggs and i remember him telling me one time you need to support manchester united because they've got ryan giggs and when you're at a certain age you sort of take that as a bit of a threat from your older brother <laughs> so my card was marked from that moment on but giggs was also one of these footballers where he, he was kind of marketable because he was good looking. I remember I bought these two videos, one of which was called, um, what was it? Gigs Revealed. <laughs> Derek, would you like, mm, yeah. would you like to come? Do you remember? Um, <laughs> it might be a little bit before your time. I think I'm revealing my age a little bit, bit here, but I remember Ryan Giggs Soccer Skills TV oh. show. I remember, um, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Dal, I remember being in a Sports Direct, or Sports Soccer as it was then known, in Newcastle. And <laughs> on the big screen they were showing repeats with the sound off of Ryan Giggs' soccer skills. Wonderful. And do you remember back then, Sports Soccer had like a little, um, a small little arena where you could like do your kick-ups and they had a little goal that you could smash it against. It's a bit like, you know, you could go and play golf and smash it against the net. And... Giggs would talk you through these little tricks. I mean, he wasn't the most articulate person <laughs> at that young age. I remember in particular, he's showing you how to do this skill where you're supposed to get your weaker foot and then flick it onto your best foot. A bit like you're just trying to get it up to do kick-ups, but you do it in one motion. But the way he was trying to describe it, you get your best foot, you put your best foot, for, you get your weak you get your weak foot, flick it onto your best, your best foot flicks it up, we just just show us Ryan. It's much clearer if you can show us. This. <laughs> but, Do you ever have his um, yoga VHS? No, never dabbled in his extracurricular videos. <laughs> oh God, I bet there's a few. <laughs> but no, I remember when I was in. I think it was year. It was year five. Which how old are you then? About nine, ten, aren't you? And he was endorsed by uh, a famous sports brand, and they brought out these boots. And I remember you could buy like the super duper expensive ones that were like real leather. They were called Sidewinders. Don't know if you remember. Oh, yeah. They had the yellow, like neon zigzag lines on them. Or you could buy like the slightly cheaper version, a bit plaggy. I remember just pleading with my mum. I was like, I need these boots. They will make me a better player. 
and my mum must have relented or got a bit of extra gyro that week because I got a pair and I remember just like they were the talk of school and I had yeah I put them on my desk and everything is like a little totem and then we had our grudge match against Poppleton Juniors this is year five I remember wearing them just thinking there's nothing I can't do in these boots and of course like I've always I've had a left I've got a left peg and some of you have played football with over the years and you'll know that my left peg's not too bad but I modeled it on gigs and for years and years all I wanted to do was get on the wing get my head down take on some players notable mention Andre Kanchelskis on the other side but when those two were playing on the wings I mean a devastating combination oh and do you, do you remember um, the the advertising campaign for that brand of boot, which we won't mention because they're not paying mm, us. Yeah. Um, and it was basically the premise was what I would be doing if I didn't have this brand of footwear. And it showed him on the side of a road selling flowers. <laughs> do you remember that? That must have. Was that was that or was that a weird fantasy of mine or a dream? <laughs> if that's true, then that must have lodged itself somewhere in my cerebral cortex. Of my mind, the yeah, power of advertising because I had to have these boots. Oh. Sorry, Owen, you carry on. Mm. No, crack on. So, you wanted to say something? No, I just wanted to say you, you don't. The modern player um, lacks the uh, the body hair of Ryan Giggs. Certainly. <laughs> I mean, there were gasps. We remember his goal against Arsenal in the FA Cup. I mean, <laughs> it's a world famous goal that anyway skins about seven players. And it's not just the gasps and screams of excitement that he scored a goal. It's when he removed his shirt. <laughs> and he's running down the pitch, swinging this shirt. This yeah. gorilla hair. Silverback. Yeah. <laughs> now they're all, you know, it's all V, isn't it? And they're all alopecia from the neck down footballers these days. Do you know why they wear bras the now? The yeah, what are, what are those things they wear? They're, 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 they're not for um, support. They're, um, they're to keep... The... Sorry, I'm not with it today. Heart rate monitors. Exactly. They're to create... <laughs> they... <laughs> they contain a lot of uh, technology, you know, to track them, GPSs and stuff. Techno-Brazier. Techno-Brazier. Thank you, Ross. Techno-Brazier. No, if it's not... That's not what it's called. That's what it should be called. <laughs> I wondered what they were. I thought they were for, like, posture maybe or something. But, yeah, it, it'll be a spot science device, won't it? It will. It is. Oh, I've got... A... Quick question about gigs there. Yeah. Ferguson really protected him from the media. He wasn't allowed to do interviews till he was 20. And I look at, for example, Alfie Inga, or Alfie, is it Alfie Inga Haaland, or is that or his son? Alfie Inga is senior. Inga, whatever, it's Early junior, Carl the junior fella. I think is a... Yeah, he's been doing interviews and he's been giving monosyllabic answers, which is quite funny, but he's obviously not very well media trained. Do you think that's been a big impact on gigs's? kind of development uh, as a professional, the fact that he was cosseted in his early years. That's a good question. And I, I think you could expand that to include people like Paul Scholes, who never gave any interviews. And then upon retirement, end up being quite astute and, you know, observant pundits. And you think, well, where's this voice come from? And I think I've seen it in other clubs where it's often the captain or the senior players that do that reining in. But it, Ferguson had this total control, didn't he, over how much access the players had to the media. Like when David Beckham scored the wonder goal against Wimbledon from halfway line and 
as he came off the pitch, Ferguson said to him, get on the bus, don't do an interview, don't speak. Because he knew, you know, that Beckham was the poster boy. Everyone would want a piece of him. And yeah, I think you're probably right. Because you never really heard from gigs after matches. You know, it's that old bad. We it? certainly didn't see him when it's top mark, yeah. did we? <laughs> let the let the boots do the talking, son. It's all that old adage, isn't it? Yeah. It is. How many how many times did he get sent off from Manchester United? Oh, good question. I don't know if he got sent off. It was probably once or twice. But I'd be zero. it was zero, was it? Zero I mean, times. Yeah. Zero times. Once for Wales, I think that was it. In Paul Norway, once yeah. bad for a cunt. <laughs> so, next player, <laughs> we'll go on to second pick. Owen, we're gonna temporarily leave this scepter aisle. <laughs> we're gonna move to uh, we're going back to the Vatican, we're going to Rome, and the, play, the second player I've chosen is Francesco Totti. Totti, I mean, does he need yeah. any introduction? I don't think he does, does he? Fantasista. The the golden boy. What else did they call him? Oh, um, the, gladiator, the gladiator. The eighth king of Rome. <laughs> <laughs> the big baby. <laughs> the gladiator and the captain. The gladiator. The I found out an interesting fact about Totti. He's, the shirt that he wore in his final match for Roma against Genoa was launched into space from French Guinea. Yeah. <laughs> Why would they do that? I don't know, but Totti's final shirt is in the base crazy. somewhere. Fucking brilliant. <laughs> Good, isn't it? Oh. But what, as a um, player, Owen, as a player, why why have you picked this uh, this iconic Roma player? You might suspect that there's a pattern there about one man, one club, you know, with Ryan Giggs there. And Totti's kind of known for that as well. Some of you are probably thinking of players like Steven Gerrard. Oh, will we see that again? Is that going to be a thing of the past? That's one reason, is commitment and devotion to AS Roma through thick and thin. And if you look at his honours at Roma, he hasn't won, he's not won everything. He only won Serie A once in the 2001, 2000-2001 season. Wow. Yeah, and he wasn't this untouchable golden boy. He got his discipline was pretty rubbish. He got sent off a few times. He was constantly carded. But I think it was this, the way that he developed as a player. He was a number 10 and he played on the left wing. And as a kid, it was good enough for me. And he had... There's something about these magisterial players and my, my third choice, we'll get onto him soon, epitomises that. But I think Totty falls into that character, into that mould of universally admired as a kind of... Um, Someone who's devoted to his craft, but someone who makes the game look better. He's got, he's got finesse, he's got poise, he's got the touch. He can score great goals from free kicks. But then, I think one of the things, one of the reasons why I sort of landed on Totti as well was because he did win the World Cup in 2006. And it was that particular team when he was playing with Perlo as a playmaker behind those amazing strikers, you know, Joaquinta was brilliant. Um, Giladino was brilliant. They had Cannavaro at the back. John Le- Buffon. I've noticed, uh, well, obviously, the last two people you've gone with, they're both one club men. 
is that something that's important to you, Owen, as a as a player? A bit of loyalty. Obviously, you don't see it a lot anymore, well, do you? I didn't consciously do that, but then maybe there is something. Maybe that's because I like to think I'm a bit of a romantic, and I think football is more enjoyable if you are a bit of a romantic as well. And maybe there's an element of that that they were just committed to this club and adored by those fans. But I've I've still got them. I've got a Roma home and away shirt that I bought 18, 19 years ago. I mean, they won't fit me anymore, but I've still got them. And I, mean, I remember that shirt, actually. When I was playing five-a-side, I wore it every week. You know, you just want some of that. Um, that's magic yeah. to, to rub off on you somehow. And you think, if I wear this shirt... You're unstoppable with them and those boots. Yeah, there's a, there's a theme going, isn't there? You've got to have that one. And um, <laughs> Owen, we we know you're a we know you're a literary kind of guy. So if you were to equate uh, Totti with um, a literary figure, a writer or poet, who would you who would you compare him to? Interesting. Uh, this you might not have heard of him, but it was a very famous Italian philologist called Gian Battista Vico. Um. We know, you know, he's a he was a philosopher of language, but I guess I would, yeah, I guess the two could be compared. You know, they <laughs> lived their whole life in one place, had a massive contribution to their field. They were both Italian. We'll have to take your word for it. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, from from highbrow literature to maybe something a little bit less less highbrow was uh, Francesco Totti's book title. Um, I couldn't believe this when I saw what it was called. It's called All About Totti. I'm going to chip oh. him now. Obviously, that's loosely translated to English. It might sound a lot, probably does sound a lot better in Italian, but in English it sounds bad. <laughs> 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 All About the Totti. Maybe that was what he said, because I remember, it's. It, I've always thought this as well, that, there's got to be a connection between Roman Catholics or Catholics and quality football. Look at South America, look at the Italians. There's a devotional belief connected with Mary, I think. And us the Protestants in the north of Europe, it's more rugged, isn't it? The, we, we work hard and it's drudgery. Whereas I think the Catholics seem to um, enjoy art as a sort of like, human sophistry right here on earth right now kind of thing and I think there's a connection there because I remember when Perlo scored that Penenka against England was that 2012 Euro 2012 I think it was and he was asked about it after the yes, game and he said he said were you nervous that we taking a kick like that in that style and he said I looked up to the heavens and I knew that God would favour the Italians <laughs> there's, so, there's a, like a self-belief there that you can't match can you a beautiful, a beautiful arrogance, arrogance well put now yeah well talking of Protestants um, it'll probably take us on to, nicely into your uh, third pick my third pick and again he, he almost didn't make it but I've got to put him in the non-flying Dutchman Dennis Bergkamp for I mean for that goal, I mean, that, where do you start? Start with that goal. The fact that... Which goal you know, are you referring to? <laughs> the goal against Newcastle. Oh, against yeah, Davison. Yeah. 
But then also the hat trick, I think that was against Leicester. The goal against Argentina in the in the World Cup. Ninety eight, was it? Yeah. The sixty yard pass and then just the one touch. Right, oh. doesn't it? The little what's the one where he like flicks it round the one that's, side of the defender that's, and that's, the other that's a Newcastle one, yeah, one isn't it? Who's the keeper? Was it Cernicek? Maybe given. Oh, all right, Probably given. That's a given. But yeah, but then, um, <laughs> or it could have been a stunt when, um, when I was a kid, my me and my brother Phil, so we're quite close in age. He's only a year older than me, and he's an Arsenal supporter. So I've chosen him partly because of my brother Phil. But we used to, when we were, I must have been in year five or year six, where we moved, and. We used to play in this little back alley because we were on this terrace house and then we moved to the semi-detached and over the road was my school field. And as soon as we got home from school, me and Phil would get changed, jump back over the fence and there was a hockey goal in the corner of the pitch. And the two of us used to just blast shots at one another and he was always Burkamp, and I would always be Giggs or Totty or Batistuta or another player that didn't quite make my top three. And to this day, Phil still idolises Burkham. I remember when Arsenal had that centenary shirt, which was that lovely purple. 2006, I want to say. And it might have been one of Burkham's last seasons and Phil rushed out and bought it and put Burkham on the back and he was like, I want this forever to give to my children to tell them about Dennis Burkham. And then all, I like the whole thing about him non-flying as well. There's a wonderful... In fact, to make a bit more of a literary link, there's a really funny Simon Armitage poem which is called Hopping Dennis and it's sort of freeform thing but it's the poet or the speaker of the poem and he just he's just driving down some air road in the south of England and he sees Dennis with a little sign he's trying to get to Ajax <laughs> and it's a little thought experiment but he says pulls over Hopping Dennis and he drops him off crosses the channel on the ferry they have a coffee on the way and he drops him off and they have this little conversation in the back of the car and I thought, yeah, how did he get to the games if everyone flew? Did he drive on his own? Did he get like chauffeured there? I think did he, he, he didn't play. He didn't, he didn't play, a lot, play a lot. Like Champions League, like in the Russia, Russia, when he played Russia a lot. So I remember they used to play Russia teams quite a bit in Champions League when Arsenal played and never league, I remember. Um, and he would, just wouldn't go. Um, and he had it in his contract, I think. That he wouldn't go to these games. He, he would like if there was something in Western Europe, right. he would no doubt drive them or shuttle down. Yeah, the mega bus, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on a little page here, um, lifeblogger.com. I'm guessing that the guy can't spell blogger, but it might be lifeblogger. Um, but he's got a little page dedicated to uh, Dennis Bergkamp. And he has what Dennis likes. What does Dennis, Ooh, Dennis, Dennis like? Do share. I'll tell you what Dennis likes first of all. <laughs> he he loves gardening, cooking, music, romance, high quality clothes, and working with hands. <laughs> Doesn't say his hands; it just says working with hands. <laughs> yeah. And what Dennis dislikes? He dislikes insecurity wow. of any kind. Wow. And that's it. That's it. That's all he dislikes. I thought you were going to list of like food that he didn't like. <laughs> yeah. You could really dissect yeah. it. Oh. And um, I mean, could you? I mean, it's a question I'm probably going to ask every week, but could you equate him with a modern player or 
is he someone just unequaled? Ooh, that's tough. I'd, I'd have to say, um, I mean, I'd say when Juan Mata was player of the season two years in a row when he was at Chelsea, just the, the sort of vision of the guy, um, the way he could score free kicks and goals from a distance. But right now, somebody like Bruno Fernandes, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. I want to uh, maybe... Well, we can a little bit. Any ideas of what, who would you say to remind you of today? I just think he he's, he couldn't uh, equate because he's Burkamp, you know, and it, that's that's what they all strive to be. That mm. um, he's someone close enough to the modern players' ages that they would remember him, and they would look up to him. You know what I mean? And yeah, did he slap him? In terms of the singularity, yeah, for sure, like a Cantona figure. But in terms of style of play, well. And goals. I, mean, man, I would hope that Donny van der Beek can do it. Well, I know the Dutch. The Dutch absolutely adore Bergkamp. And he was always seen... And I don't know if you've ever read the book uh, Beautiful Orange. And it's basically just about Dutch culture and Dutch football. And they basically see Bergkamp as the heir. They see him as the yeah. heir to Cruyff. Like, nobody else could yeah. touch Cruyff. But Bergkamp was just that close. The second you know? tier down in the heavens. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. In the heavens. <laughs> he had a four a forehead. A very, very distinguished forehead. Quite rocky features, Yeah. Yeah. Do you think he was an atheist? Good question. According to Lifeboy, no. he, was... he was raised as Roman Catholic. Oh, my segue is completely out. Sports. Sports. <laughs> Are they his current beliefs? He could be a science man. Could be, it could be a QAnon supporter for all we know. <laughs> well, he's obviously a suspicious, a suspicious um, superstitious or, you know, to not be a to not be a flyer. Mm. Says something about his personality. Well, we don't know. Well, any more questions? <laughs> I wonder what he's doing now. Is he coaching I the don't know. youth team or is he coaching like PSV or someone? It's something. Yeah, I think he's he was at Ajax, I think, wasn't he? Um, youth, um, youth coach. Oh, one other thing about Burkamp, which I found out, is um, when he was, you know, when he, when he was starting out at Ajax, he basically started like he, he, he started training and playing as a defender because he wanted to know how what a defender would do no to stop him. Enemy. So he wanted to get into their mind. That's how cerebral yeah. a footballer wow. is. Yeah. Well, you could you could just you could just say that. Yeah, he was really just a shit. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Someone could turn around and say you're too slow. He plays centre back for the under tens. <laughs> Too <laughs> but does he have a uh, eponymous move? You know, like the Cruyff turn, the Zidane turn. <laughs> there is a, there is a little turn that he does, but it's not that Zidane turn. You'll see it on sort of compilation videos where it's him just like all the best players. They can fool people with just a little drop of the shoulder. It's not you know, super tricks with the feet or lollipops and stuff. It's just a little turn. And he, what he had this ability to do was, as he was turning, he, it might have been his weaker foot, but he's taking the ball sort of mid-air 
and he was able to either play it straight away as a pass or bring it under control straight away and as with all good players being able to turn and know where you're going to pass it in the movement of that first turn you've got that one yard over your opponent haven't you and you're ready to go and maybe that's the connection with Fernandez because Fernandez seems to be able to do that he knows what passes are on as the ball's coming to him the best players can do that they don't need that extra moment to get their heads up and have a look I'd maybe say somebody like Jack Grealish displays those kinds of talents as well. Yeah, um, maybe just doesn't have the goals. You use it yourself. Like Bergkamp, though. But yeah, he'll come good, I'm sure, with, on the goal front. He's wonderful talent. Yeah, just that, you know, it doesn't matter how many people mark him or what you try to do as opponents to close him down. Same with Fernandez. He's always available. Mm. makes himself available for the pass. And once he's got the ball at his feet, Grealish is a bit different in the sense of Burkamp wasn't a dribbler, was he? No. But it's that sort of, you know, always available. Once they've got the ball, something's going to happen. The crowd are on their feet when they're in the stadiums. You'd always, you'd always have a flyer, like someone really quick. Really did compliment him, didn't it? Because he could see it. Yeah. He could come, come short. His intelligence, his flicks around the around the back, he was just so good at that. And um, you know that's that 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 was like him at his there best. Was a, really, when he had a partner. Last year, Ian Wright did a little one-off where he went to meet. I think it was just Wright. He meets Burkamp. They usually call him that, don't they? And he just went to his house in the Netherlands, and you don't learn a lot about the man. And he's even reluctant at times to talk about that goal against Newcastle and and you know because he probably gets asked about it you know if he was if he was British he'd be going around clubs and doing after dinner speaking left right and centre and we would have to have this pre-rehearsed story about that particular goal but you get the sense that you know he's living in the now he's not sort of living in this nostalgic past and quite an unassuming guy I mean obviously he's got riches and I think he designed I might be wrong here but there was a pair of trainers that came out, and I think they were called Cruyff trainers. Maybe you can still get them. And I think, I'm sure Burkamp yeah, was involved brand, yeah. in marketing those. Well, guys, brilliant. Uh, well, thanks for sharing Shem- that, Owen. It was uh, eye-opening. Well, thanks for having me on. I loved it. And uh, Well, well you're welcome to come back, because I think we're going to have a rolling team here now, rolling subs. Excellent. Yeah, I'm all about rolling subs, Yeah. <laughs> Sam, I would suggest you don't just smoke a massive before the next one. I'm really <laughs> you know, sometimes it can hinder. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Pros and cons, oh, isn't it? Look at the draw, as it were. We. Look, <laughs> gents, I appreciate it. I, I loved it, actually. I could talk for hours about footballers from the 90s. All right, Jay, everyone, thanks for listening and see you next time. Ciao.